Well, you're probably able to determine rather quickly what the theme of our message will be this morning. The Bible says in Psalm 1 to 27 and verse 3, Lo, children are an inheritance of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. We want to focus this morning on the sanctity of life. As a matter of fact, this Sunday is the Sanctity of Life Sunday. Uh, it's amazing that here we are all these years later and we're still fighting the battle uh, for that, but we live in a fallen world. My prayer this morning for us would be that God would indeed open our eyes to what the Scripture says. As a matter of fact, in Psalm 119 and verse 18 it says, Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And in verse 19 it says, for I am a stranger in the earth, hide not thy commandments from me. That ought to be a prayer for every one of us that we would say, God, open our eyes that we may behold the wondrous things from your law. And the second is that you and I need to understand that we, as a matter of fact, if you were here Wednesday, we're encouraging you to pray through verse by verse, Psalm 119 and verse 19 is today's verse. And for you to understand that when you pray that, you're praying and recognizing that you are simply a stranger in this earth. You are a pilgrim that is passing through. You are a sojourner on their way to a heavenly city. Therefore, we do not place our roots deep in this earth that we live in. Can I get an amen to that? And the second thing in that part of that prayer would be that we would ask God, Oh God, don't hide your commandments from me. Make them plain for me to understand as a believer. And I believe it is very appropriate this morning that we would ask God in His infinite mercy and grace that He would show us what His Word says concerning the sanctity of human life. I think that we could have just taken the points off of that slideshow and video and saying these are indeed the great points that we would see this morning but I want uh, just, just to say as a disclaimer, I want you to know that I preached this message last year. There have been a few changes to my notes, but not many. I don't think I need to reinvent this. I think I just need to reemphasize it. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, Peter speaking, he says, you'd be well to be reminded of these things again. And it's very easy for us to forget them on a daily basis. I'm grateful to this church that last year we took on the responsibility and the privilege of supporting uh, Save a Life Ministries. And I do believe that because of that, we have indeed saved lives uh, through that ministry. Amen. I don't want you to think it's just a, a, a drill that we go through, but there are actually things that are being done there. So let me begin this morning by asking you a question that I asked you last year, and for some of you, you will hear it for the first time, but you would be well to be reminded of it again, and I would ask you this, is the Bible clear about abortion? For those of you who were here yes, last year, you should say absolutely, but in case you're not sure then we want to say that the Bible gives an emphatic yes. It is very clear about abortion. Amen. We as a church believe that the Bible should shape the way that we think. Amen. 
I mean, that, that's a given. Now, let me, let me just pause for a moment and, and on that and say this. That it needs to be more, and we talked about this even in Sunday school a little bit, it needs to be more than we simply know what the Bible says. We need to do what the Bible says. But you will never be able to do what the Bible says until you know what the Bible says. And so this morning, it is our desire to break apart the Word of God as if we were breaking bread and eating it together, communing with the Lord and what He says about abortion. I believe that the way that we think will determine our decisions and our decisions determine our actions. It, it's an amazing thing that too often I believe God's people turn to other sources rather than the Bible. I mean, I love reading other books. I was reading a C.S. Lewis book called The Great Divorce, sat down yesterday morning and finished it up last night. It was just one of those books that I couldn't put down. An awesome book about it. In fact, I think it troubled me in my sleep because it just talks about how the people will choose hell over heaven. And I think great books are great to read, but the greatest book that we can read is the Word of God. Because it is what determines our actions, because it determines how we think. So, this morning we want to look at what God's Word says concerning abortion. A right view of this begins with a right view of man and a right view of God. I will say this, that I believe even in Christian circles sometimes, we have a very low view of God. And we need to have a very high view of God and a very low view of ourselves. Amen. Now, that is kind of the premise that we began with this morning. And this message might be convicting for some this morning. And I will explain more as we go along on that. There may be some here this morning that need forgiveness. And His grace is abundant for that and that it can cover all sin. So no matter who hears the message, it should impact our lives so that we have a view through the lens of Scripture, and that view is really God's view. And what you and I need to do is take on the way God views this subject called abortion. And let me just say that unless we can just slash abortion, we could say murder. Because what abortion, the abortion mills that we have in this country of ours are nothing, nothing more than murder mills. William, you said you thank the Lord that for a pastor who will stand and speak the truth, I pray that all of God's people would be willing to stand and speak the truth. Not because I think it's right but because God says it is right. So our, from our text this morning, here's what I want you to see. I want you to see the creator, the creation, the command, the comfort, and the conclusion of the matter. The creation, or the creator, pardon me, the creator, the creation, the command, the comfort, and finally, the conclusion. Now, let me also say and give a 
uh, just a, a disclaimer uh, that the majority of the material that I told you this last year, that the majority of the material that I, that I kind of got from this was from uh, a publication put out from uh, Grace uh, Church in California with Dr. John MacArthur. And, and so I just want to let you know that there's nothing original in this for me. Uh, the majority of this is, was done by people who uh, had the forethought to put much of it together, and I simply gleaned from what they had written and put it, put it to, um, to the computer. Let's start just with the Creator. Now, it's a solemn, solemn subject, in my opinion, because we're in, we're in a, an hour, we're in a day, that it's, it's important that we understand this issue. As a matter of fact, we're coming up for an election year. Uh, this is the election year. And the way that we vote, and I'll just preface this now, the way that we vote has a whole lot to say about whether we really believe the Scriptures. Amen. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to be political on you, but to say that we cannot be political in a church is utter folly and foolishness. Amen. We need to be able to stand in front of governments and say, and I don't care what the government says, this is what the Word of God Amen. says. The sooner we figure out the government is not a savior and that the Lord God Jehovah is, then the better off the church will be. And if what I say offends you today, as I will tell you what I told the group on Wednesday night, come see me after the church service and I'll forgive you. But bring your Bible if you want to argue. Because I will prove my points today and I will rely upon you to prove your points if you can for believing otherwise. So let's first look and say and take a look at the Creator because I believe that everything that we do in life really needs to begin with how we see God, the Creator. Our view needs to be shaped by Scripture concerning the subject of abortion. And in order to do that, we must first understand the role of God in creation. That understanding is that God is the one who creates all things according to Colossians chapter 1 and 16. So unless we have the right understanding of our Creator, that every single thing that is created has been created for and by Him. So when we start talking about babies, we need to understand that it is God who has created them. If we don't start from that premise, then we, we really don't grasp that at all. As if you would, turning your Bibles to Genesis, and we'll be looking at a lot of scriptures this morning. Uh, Allie in the back wanted to know what scriptures I'd be using this morning. And I said, there's so many, I'm not sure that you'd be able to keep up. So don't be looking for them up here. If you can't keep up, write them down so that you can go back and check these things out. But the first thing I want you to see about the Creator is that life is no accident. Life is not an accident, and we take this and see this in multiple places in the Scripture, but in particular we can see this. Genesis chapter 16 and verse 17 says, And, and Sarai said unto Abraham, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go unto my maid, and it may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abraham hearkened to the voice of, of Sarai. Now we know that that turned into a wreck, amen? 
But here's, here's one of the points that I want to try to get across, and if you would just keep that in mind and turn the page over to chapter 17 and verse 16, and you will see this, and it says, And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her, the Lord speaking. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. 1 Samuel 1.19 tells us the same thing, and here's what is being told to us in this, is that life is no accident. You see, Sarai realized that it was God who was restraining her from having a child. She knew that God was the one who enables men and women to have children, right? Because it takes a man and a woman, right? If you understand, you come see me, I'll get you hooked up with Doc. He will explain that to you later. But it takes a man and a woman for that to happen. That's another whole sermon I could go off on because there is only two genders in the world. It's a man and a woman. It's a biological issue, right? It's not a choice of an issue. But don't even get me started down that rabbit hole. I just want us to understand that it is God who is the one who allows us to have children. We found there in 17, chapter 17, it says, the Lord says, I will enable her to have a child. And we find the same thing in 1 Samuel and 19. We find this as well, that the Lord is involved in the creation of every single human that there is. As a matter of fact, if you would turn in your Bibles to Psalm 139. Psalm 139 and verses 13 through 16 says this. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which were continuous and fashioned when as yet there was none. How precious also are the thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of, some of them! When we go back to Job, look at Job chapter uh, 10 and verses 8 through 12. It says, Thine hands have made me and fashioned me together round about, yet thou dost destroy me. Remember, I beseech thee that thou hast made me as clay, and wilt thou bring me unto dust again? Hast thou not poured me out as milk and curdled me like cheese? Listen, what both of these authors were saying concerning human life is that the Lord is the one who is responsible for fashioning them together. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that God knits us together in the mother's womb. He's the one who puts us together. And so we have to have a correct understanding if we're going to understand the issue of abortion. We have to start with God. And we have to see that life is not an accident. Life is planned. Life is granted by God and that he fashions every single human together. If you think about that, I want you to think about that. Karen showed me a picture of her little granddaughter or just out in the foyer a while ago, turning one years old, hands upstretched. I want you to know when, when you look at that and you look at a child, you see the very handiwork of God. Now, it doesn't matter what that child is. God has put that child together. And we'll talk more about that as we go along. But it is the Lord who has put them together. It is God who enables us to have children. And it is God who does not make mistakes. 
You see, the world would say, well, I made a mistake. I didn't mean to get pregnant. No problem. Abort. Get rid of the child. It's just a mistake. Let's look at Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4 and verse 11. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb, or the deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? You see, this society that we live in, say, and, and with the technology that we have now, we'll take a look and say, and they'll, they'll look at a child and say, well, this child has this problem or this problem. No problem. We don't want that. We want to get rid of the child, and then we'll try and have a better one. But if we understand this, that God says, who has made the deaf? I have. Who has made the dumb? I have. Who has made that child? If we recognize that God created that child, then we have no right to end that child's life, no matter what we think. God does not make mistakes. Amen. And you say, well, I don't like that. Well, that's your problem. Your problem was with God, not with a child. I'm so grateful because I am sure that there were plenty of defects in my life, and I am very grateful that somebody didn't say, well, I just don't like the color of his hair or the color of his eyes or the crook in his nose. Thank you for not saying amen. <laughs> By the way, it wasn't always that way. A fist helped to get it there. You see, there was an experiment some time ago in Nazi Germany where they decided that they would just end life based on what people should look like. And there's no difference in that in abortion when we decide we're going to take a child out because we simply don't like the way they are. God does not make mistakes. Man is the one that says there's a problem, not God. You see, what we fail to recognize is, is what is God doing in his eternal purpose by giving us children that are different than other children. I'm going to tell you, I've got a little child, and Anna and I are happy to report to you. We went down this, this last week, and our granddaughter is three years old, just turned three, and has been nonverbal, but she's just beginning to talk now. And we're grateful for that. But can I tell you that if she never talked, the greatest prayer I've had for my granddaughter is not that she would necessarily talk. My greatest desire for my granddaughter is this, oh God, that you would save her soul and that you would use her for your kingdom purpose and glory. Amen. And until we get to that point and realize that life is precious, every child given to us is precious, 
And we need to understand that God's eternal purpose in the way he gives children is not up to us. It is up to us to love that child and to pray for that child and say, God, use that child for your kingdom. Let's take a look at the creation. We see the creator, that he is the one who gives life, who forms life, who decides what life is to be like for that child. Say, life is not fair. It's not fair. Can I tell you what? Life is not fair. Right? If you haven't figured it out, now this is a mature church. That's code for saying you're all old. And if you hadn't figured it out yet, that life's not fair, it isn't. And it's because of what happened in the garden. Because sin entered into the world. So get over yourself and just get in line with the Word of God. The man created. Man was created in the image of God. When we talk about that, man is totally distinct from the rest of creation. We, we need to understand that. Genesis 1.26 says, let us make man in our... Let's look, just turn over there, 1.26. Genesis 1, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish and over the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Man is totally distinct from all of the rest of creation. You need to understand that that's important. It alarms me to hear how some Christians are starting to muddy the water on this a little bit. And we're starting to equate man and everything else the same. Can I tell you something? And I said it last year, I'll say it again. Listen, I've got all sorts of animals. Man, I got horses, I got cows, I got dogs, I got chickens, and I got things that I don't even want. Right? One of them jumped out of a feed bag, right? I thought, man, that's, that's strange. That's a cattle cube running. It was a mouse. But I, I just want to get across to you. It wearies me, and, and hey, I get it, don't, don't, please don't be offended by this. If you love your animals, that's great. I love my animals, I do. As a matter of fact, I believe God has put us in charge to take care of them. And I think it's a terrible thing when people don't take care of them. But I will tell you this, that a dog is not the same as a human. And God's people better understand the difference between a dog and a human. When we put more emphasis on saving a dog than we do a human child, God forbid. Can I get an amen on that? Listen, they are not my fur babies. They are critters that have hair that God gave them, right? And mine sleep outside. Now, if you're asleep inside, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But when it comes to a difference between an animal and a human being, folks, please understand the difference. It's an alarming thing to me to see Christians who start to equate that. As a matter of fact, there's a movement. There is a movement in our country to give animals the same rights as human beings. You think about that when you're driving down the road and you hit a deer. You just keep going and somebody will be coming to get you for manslaughter. Well, he just, he just hit that poor deer and kept going. You think I'm joking? I'm not joking. 
That's the mentality. That is the ignorance that's brought about when we, we fail to recognize God as creator and man as the creation. And we began to worship the creation over the creator. Not the typical message to preach, but I pray God that there are men across this country today, and I know there are, who are preaching of this grievous sin that shadows our nation, the sin of murdering infants, thinking that animal life is greater or is equivalent to human life. And by the way, let me just go on record as saying if you're a PETA supporter, you're being duped. That 95% of the animals that come to their shelters are euthanized. See, their issue is not about saving the animals. Their issue is they don't want and don't believe that humans should have any animals because they believe that humans and animals are the same. Get your, get your information from God's Word and be diligent enough to dig for it. Stop being spiritually lazy about things. Does everybody still love me? Well, I'm going to preach anyway. Listen, the Bible says the body is the house of the image of God. What are we saying in this? A person is not just a piece of human tissue. Our bodies hold those things that are important. And when we're in the womb, everything that is fundamental to being a human is present. I want you to think about that. That when that sperm and egg come together, there begins life. And in that DNA is everything that person will ever be. Have you ever thought about this? I was sitting and sharing with some guys that most of us who have a little bit of gray in our hair, we, we really see ourselves as young still, don't we? I mean, we, we think that often. Our bodies tell us something different. But we feel like we're still that young person. Can I tell you why I believe that we, we, we do that? It's because we have a spirit that is eternal. And that spirit is going to live forever. Now, one day a body is going to, a new body is going to join that spirit, and we covered that at length some time back. But I just want you to know that everything in that womb of a mother is not just some glob of tissue. It is a human being with emotions. It is a human being with intellect. It is a human being that is able to love. It is a human being that is able to think. And when we think otherwise, we have taken and taken the philosophy of the world, which is nothing more than doctrine of demons, and let it supplant the Word of God. So we look at the Creator, we look at the creation, now let's look at the command. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 13, and Exodus chapter 21 and verses 22 and 25 tell us this, Thou shall not kill. It's a very plain, clear commandment for us. You will not kill, murder. 
That's what it means, murder. Understand the difference between killing and murdering, right? And we also know this, that murdering can be done in the heart. Amen? Amen. That's what Jesus said. But it's a very clear command, you shall not murder. Now, I can say this, I'm happy to report that the actual uh, abortion rate has gone down in our country. As a matter of fact, they say that it is the lowest that it has been since abortion was legalized. Now, that, that is great, and there seems to be somewhat of a reversal, but at the same time, there is not. There seems to be a push, and I believe that push is really spawned out of hell because the devil is a liar and a deceiver and a murderer, and he desires for that murder to take place of infants. And again, let's make no bones about it. Murder is not getting rid of an unwanted baby. Or, pardon me, abortion is not. Abortion is not getting rid of a fetal piece of tissue. Abortion is not getting rid of a problem. Abortion is the murder of an unborn child. Plain and simple. Don't sacrifice your children. Jeremiah, let's turn there. Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 35. And they built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to cause their sons and daughters to pass through the fire unto Moloch, which I command them not, neither came I into my mind they, that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. And you say, well, pastor, what does that have to do with anything? That has to do with child sacrifice. That's what it has to do with. And can I tell you what? That abortion is nothing less than child sacrifice. The abortion mills and the murder mills that are done in this world and in this nation is nothing less than what is spoken of by Jeremiah to where the people would take their children and put that child into the hot arms of that, that uh, God Moloch. And can I tell you what? Abortion is nothing less than the God of Moloch. As a matter of fact, I believe Satan gets great delight in the fact that we are, we are offering our children up in sacrifice to this unholy God. The Bible tells us that we should rescue the weak and the needy. According to Psalm 82, verses 3 and 4, a call for us to go out, and that's why we, that's why we do this. Hey, don't, don't do this because the pastor asked you to do it. All right, do it. I mean, yeah, if that's the only motivation you'll get, do it because we'll take your money and we'll turn it into something good. Right? But do this because you're doing it because God says you rescue the weak and the needy. And when you do this, you are providing a way for some child to have a chance in this world. But more than that, you're honoring the God who made that child. So I don't have time for that, Pastor. Then get saved. Get saved. All right, I'm, I'm going to get, let me take a drink. Not that I'm scared. I'm not. 
I just want a good, fresh voice when I say it. And I mean it, I'm not, and I'm not worried about it, that it offends you. Because I've got the Word of God on my side. This is not what I think. That is what I think, but I'm letting the Word of God dictate what I think. Folks, we're living in a very divided time in our nation. And we are coming up for an election. Now, let me, let me preface this, because I want to let the air out of some, okay, before I, before I go to bruise the others. I, heard, I, I read somewhere that somebody equated Donald Trump with suffering like Jesus has suffered. Can I tell you what? That's blasphemous. That is blasphemous. Nobody has suffered like our Savior. Now, having said that, I'm trying to be apolitical here. But for the life of me, I don't understand how anybody can vote for a candidate that their party supports the murder of babies. Well, you don't understand, Pastor. My party is doing this, this, and this. Yes, but they murder babies. Well, I want to hang out with my neighbor. They do really great things. Oh, well, they do do child sacrifice in the basement. Who would, who would want to be a friend with that neighbor? I wouldn't, but yet people, God's people will throw in with a political party that is standing against every single thing that the Bible speaks toward. Now, that may offend some of you, but if it does, can I ask you simply to cry out to God, look at the Scriptures and say, do I want to be a bedfellow with people who are sacrificing babies in the name of political expediency? And folks, it wouldn't matter what party is doing that. Both of them are wrong if they say that it's okay. Again, let me come back and say that there is no political party that is the Savior of our country. Jesus Christ is the Savior not only of the country, but of the world. And God's people ought to be brave enough to say that. And if you're not, shame on you. Shame! That's how we got in the position we're in today in this country. Rather than seeing what the Word of God says, and I say, I'd say, and it doesn't matter what man says, I will, be, I will stand on the Word of God and proclaim the Word of God. Listen, if you hadn't figured this out yet, church, we are entering into a period in this country, if you're a Christian, you are going to be persecuted. And it's coming quicker than you think. The issue is, and I think a lot of the persecution is coming from the church itself because the church is more willing to go along with the world in order that they can get along with the world. I'm probably going to start preaching out of Revelation, and I think Revelation has a whole lot to say about that, of the, the world coming into the church rather than the church getting into the world. You see, that's a problem. And I just want you to think ahead a little bit, maybe tomorrow. Because you don't know if you'll be here tomorrow. 
But when the Lord would say, why didn't you protect? Can I tell you something? You can help protect the infants by the way you vote. We're on, a, we're on a decline. By the way, by the way, science is caught up with the Bible. And that's why a lot of young people are, are turning from abortion because they're simply able to look at the science and say, no, that's a human. That is a human. But folks, when you, when you, have, when you have political talking heads that say it is fine to not, listen, the mask is off. The mask is off. It's no longer about just saying, oh, we just think a woman should have a choice. It has never been about a woman having a choice. It has been about destroying human life. Because now we've moved to the point of saying, oh, it's not just about abortion. No, now we'll take a child that has been born, and the mother can then decide while the child is laying there and confer with a doctor, which is if a doctor says it's fine, that person is as guilty as murder as if he had taken a gun and put the gun to the child's head and blown the kid's head off. And they make a decision. Should we let this child live or you know, should we just let it die? Folks, that is where we're at. Wake up. I think sometimes that people think that preachers ought to be clean and sanitary and don't say anything like this at all. Can I tell you what? Jeremiah, Isaiah, Nehemiah, all those men cried out. It's not a popular thing. But I want to tell you this. When I stand before my Lord, I want to be able to say, Lord, I was a faithful, a faithful man to proclaim your word. Not what I think but what the Word of God thinks. Political parties be damned when it comes to the Word of God. I'll tell you what, I'm a conservative because I believe that they stand for the better part of what I believe. And if you guys don't think we're in a jam, folks, do you not, I mean, do you know that? Do you realize, do you realize that? I don't think you do. Let me, let me tell you, now, because I'm on a roll, okay? And I'll tell you why I don't think you do. Because I say that we, we have people that come and pray here, and I came in this morning, and I counted about five people in here praying. I think we like to play at it. This country is on the verge, it's right on the verge of imploding. We got something that's going to happen in, in, in Virginia tomorrow that, that is an assault on the constitutional rights for a play to, I believe, try to bring a civil war on. And you say, well, that don't ever happen. Friend, you better pull your head out of the sand. And the tertiary effects of the things that could happen, if you think you like your life, if you don't think God says, if my people don't turn his people, not just the people of America. Listen, the majority of America is going along in hell in a handbasket. Talking about his people. You can't get people to come. God's people, I'm on the roll. I could care less if you're on the roll. I hope somebody listens to this sermon. I could care less if you're on the roll. To be honest with you, I could care less if you just come and sit on a Sunday morning because that means absolutely nothing. Nothing. 
It means something when you take the Word of God and you live it. There's a comfort that we find as well. I'm sorry, I'm going a little bit longer than I anticipated. The comfort. We want to leave this off, not at all. Don't want to leave this part out. And the comfort is this. It's the message of hope and forgiveness. God will work through the vilest sin to demonstrate his grace for his glory. You see... The Son of God, God in the flesh, came, lived a sinless life. The love of God and the judgment of God collided on a place called Golgotha. The Son of God was beaten beyond recognition, nailed to a cross for your sin and my sin. And the vilest of sins can be covered by the blood of the Lamb. That's the good news. You may have been involved somehow in abortion. You may have had an abortion. God will forgive you. God will give you a, a new life. God will restore you to that child. David said it. Said it in 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 33, 23, pardon me. He said that um, after his son had died, son that had died because he had been involved in an adulterous relationship with another woman, David in the process had had that woman's husband murdered. God took the child. After the child had died, David got up immediately and cleaned himself and broke a fast and his servants were confused, and he says, I can't bring the child back, but I can go to the child. And if you're here today and you've been through that, can I tell you, you can go to the child. And God's precious blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Amen? You see, many of us stand guilty, though, just as guilty as others because we've had the blood of the abortion mills on our hands because we've not done the right thing. We need to ask God to forgive us, and he will. God forgives those involved in all aspects of it. Here's the conclusion of the matter. This message should be a stark reminder that God is the one who creates and gives life. We should understand that we are a very unique creation, that we are the image bearers of God. We do not have the right to abort, murder babies. However, there is hope and forgiveness to all who would come to Christ in repentance and faith. And finally, it is a call for us to stand up for those who could not stand for themselves. Start looking for ways to do it. You can start it today by grabbing one of those bottles as you leave. They're on the back, on the table. Grab one. Hey, if you just took two weeks and you spent 50 to 75 cents a day on a cup of coffee, 
That's a pretty good little chunk of change after two weeks. It'll help. But I know this, that, that they're not opposed to checks. They're not opposed to green. They'll take whatever you got. They'll take as much as you'll give. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. I thank you for your strength that enables me weekly just to proclaim your word. And Father, you know my heart that I, um, I feel unworthy. I feel unworthy. But I'm so grateful, so grateful that you've allowed me to do this. Lord, I know that the words that I have said are meaningless except you empower them. Take your word, I pray this morning. Take the scriptures, O oh God, this morning. And by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, would you work in our lives that we would be a peculiar people? that we would be a people that are not ashamed of the gospel, not because of what you've done in our lives, but because it is the power, the power of God unto salvation. Speak to our hearts, we pray in Christ's name.